Welcome to Medical Matters Weekly with Dr. Trey Dobson, presented by Southwestern Vermont Healthcare and Catamount Access Television. Hey everyone, I about said good morning. It's not really good morning anymore, it's noon. Uh, today is June 1st, 2022. I'm Trey Dobson, Chief Medical Officer at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center and an emergency medicine physician with Dartmouth Health. And this is Medical Matters Weekly, a show about the aspects of healthcare that matter to you most. I'm very excited today to have as my guest, Arwen Turner, who is the Executive Director of Come Alive Outside. And that's what we are gonna to do today. We are gonna learn about Arwen and we are gonna come alive outside as soon as the show is over. Uh, although it's a little overcast, uh, I am sure it will be great out there. So Arwen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about um, your, your not-for-profit organization here, Come Alive Outside, and then I'll go back and, and tell the audience a little bit about you. Yeah, so Come Alive Outside, what we do is we connect communities to the health and wellness benefits of the outdoors. And we are based in Rutland, Vermont, but we have programming that reaches all 50 states and Canada. And um, a lot of our programming is done on the ground here in Rutland, in Bennington, in Brattleboro, Addison, and even in some spots in West Virginia and Massachusetts. Wow, that is great. I can't wait to learn more about it. Um, and especially since it focuses on the outdoors, which is uh, a lot of our passion and the reason we are actually here in Vermont uh, in the first place. Arwen uh, earned a bachelor's in literature from the University of California, Santa Cruz. Is that where you're from? Are you from California? I'm originally from California. Okay. And worked uh, for 10 years in leadership positions for the Girl Scouts, which I'll ask about in a little bit. Uh, also worked as the Chief Operating Officer of Project HEAL, which is an organization that brings access to treatment and support uh, to those suffering from eating disorders. But you've been with uh, Come Alive Outside now for nearly three years. So tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and you said from California and, and how you eventually wound up in this position. Yeah, that's a really big question. Um, <laughs> so so um, I grew up in Paradise, California, which is a small rural town in California. You may have heard of it because it burnt down in 2018. Um, but, you know, Paradise is strong and it's rebuilding. And you know, I guess my path to, to Vermont really... Um, came through through my career progression, as well as my connection to the outdoors. So I was a free range child. I had a journal with uh, animals on it and a Swiss army knife when I was seven years old and, you know, was outside playing and, you know, connecting to the outdoors was always something that was really important to me in my youth. And so as I kind of navigated different careers that always you know, kept, kept as part of, of my journey there, um, which eventually led here, but I think there's a, a bigger story to that, but uh, it's always been kind of interwoven in the fabric of who I am. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So when you were younger, you were in the outdoors and you somehow made that connection to the outdoors and, the, and a healthy lifestyle. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, the Girl Scouts itself uh, focuses on outdoors as well. Yeah, well, and I think as you know, as a kid, you don't know that you're doing it for health and wellness, right? Like, you're just out there playing. And maybe because of the outdoors, or definitely because of the outdoors, now that I know how how the research, you know, lines up to it, that 
I was developing coping mechanisms and being more physically active because I was outdoors. So, you know, I can remember, you know, I have two older sisters who would pick on me and I would run outside and go to my favorite rock and just sit there and pout. And what I was really doing was being mindful in nature and having some coping mechanisms. But I think, you know, I didn't know that as a kid. All I knew is like, this is what I do when I have something going wrong and my sisters are picking on me. And I just, you know, I think as like, I you know, grew up and, and transitioned to different careers, there was always something that I was attracted to nature on, but I don't think I really knew that it was health and wellness until I was working for a, men- a mental health organization and had, you know, someone else put those pieces together for me, you know, for Girl Scouts, it was really about leadership and courage and confidence. And when I started working for Project Heal, that's when I really started connecting the dots on the mental health benefits of being outdoors when it comes to food and body image and comorbid um, mental health challenges. And so that's where this big kind of like light bulb hit in my head where I realized like, oh, this is really cool stuff and it's really accessible or we can make it accessible. And I really want to do that. So I just kind of actively sought out Come Alive Outside or organizations like that. And that's where uh, it led me here. That's a fantastic story. And actually, you know, many of our uh, guests on this show are focused on uh, outdoor, whether it's specifically for mental health uh, physical health, or, you know, of course the combination, which is, uh, the best of, of both worlds. And it sounds like you recognize that at a very young age, uh, maybe not why, but you got the, uh, the important part, which is, uh, what it was bringing to you, uh, whether you were running from your sisters or actually just outside and join yourself. Tell me about, I've been waiting to ask this question, um, because I don't know anything about it. Tell me about your experience in, in Asia with the Girl Scouts. Yeah, so that is uh, probably one of the coolest things I've been able to to do. Um, So Girl Scouts of the USA has been overseas in Europe and Asia since 1952. And how it works is that the Department of Defense actually contracts Girl Scouts to to be there, to um, have activities for the families that are living overseas. So I was fortunate enough to be one of the executives who worked for the National Organization of Girl Scouts who got to lead the Girl Scout um, programs and oversee compliance for 15 military installations in Korea and Japan. Um, I was able to live in Okinawa, Japan, which was amazing. And then I oversaw all of the program for all of the U.S. uh, Girl Scouts in um, the West Pacific. Gosh, I'm sure you gained a lot of all kinds of experience there, probably even managerial experience, but certainly the the wholesome aspect of working with uh, children abroad. So you're in Okinawa. What would you do? Would you actually uh, help organize Girl Scout troops or did you organize their trips? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I, I feel like every time I tell someone this, they're like, that's a job, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it was, so on every military base, you have to have compliance to make sure that your nonprofit is meeting the standards 
of that military base. So what my job would be to go to each different military base, meet with their commanders, meet with the uh, volunteers who are running the Girl Scout program and making sure that everything was meeting the standards of the organization. I would do training. Um, I did a lot of conflict management because as you can imagine, when you're so far from home and you're in small communities, uh, a lot of conflict might happen, especially with um, volunteerism that's so passion oriented. Um, I was in charge of the cookie sale for Asia, which was awesome to see all of those cookies come in. And then we'd have the military personnel uh, put them on different planes and ships to get them to the different bases. Um, And then we also did, we would do a lot with the Korean and uh, Japanese Girl Scouts. So we did a camp in Hiroshima with the Japanese Girl Scouts, which was really amazing. We did leadership climbs with military personnel and Girl Scouts up Mount Fuji three times. Uh, Just jungle warfare training with the girls. It was some pretty spectacular stuff happening overseas with Girl Scouts. Um, And I definitely think, you know, I think about uh, Girl Scouts definitely taught me how to be a leader. I was so out of my element when I when I got to Japan, not just because I was in a different country, but I'd never worked with the military before. So it was learning how to adapt to kind of two different cultures. Uh, You know, I would make mistakes when it came to protocol every single day for the first couple of years. Um, And by the time I kind of understood it all with, you know, with the military part, um, it was, it was time to come home. Um, But definitely one of my experiences, my life I'm most grateful for. Yeah, I, I'll echo your friend's uh, sentiments there saying, wow, what a, that, that's a job. Uh, that's so <laughs> awesome. Now tell us a little bit then about your work with Project Heal. Yeah, so when um, working overseas for Girl Scouts really was my, my goal within the organization. And so when I had finished my contract, I, I wanted to do something different, but I also really like some of the aspects of Girl Scouts around, you know, the, the leadership aspect and the confidence aspect. But what I noticed in that organization was that there seemed to be this theme with a lot of the leaders and having issues with um, self-esteem and their own bodies. And so I was looking for an organization that dealt with body image to, to work with. And I came across another, a small organization called Project Heal. And I became their first full-time staff member. Um, And what that organization did was they would raise money to help fund eating disorder treatment. So eating disorder treatment can cost upwards of $30,000 a month, and it can be really difficult to get it covered by insurance. Um, And so that was a really new and unique experience for me. One of the things that I realized working there is that I had had an eating disorder for 20 years and didn't know it. Um, Being a larger body person, a lot of times maybe clinicians don't notice some of the behaviors or might even um, recommend some of the behaviors that are, are not the healthiest behaviors. And, and so in that organization, that was kind of, you know, I, I say that Girl Scouts taught me how to be a leader. Project Heal taught me how to love myself. It also taught me about um, health at every size, body neutrality, and that weight was one part of a bigger picture of health. So when we talked earlier a bit about not really knowing that, you know, when I was a kid that the outdoors and health were connected, I feel like in Project Heal, because I was around clinicians, 
there were people that were able to help me connect those dots and be like, oh, the reason that you feel better when you go outside is because this is what's happening to your body and your mind where before I think I was just trying to do it because I knew it made me feel good, but I didn't know the why. And, you know, that uh, in Project Heal, one of the things that I, I discovered was a lot of role models and role models that look like me and I started getting involved in um, plus size hiking groups and plus size yoga groups. And I went to a camp called Big Booty Yoga and it was amazing. And then I also started seeing other, other people who are underserved in the outdoors in these groups. And this thing clicked in my head where I was like, this is awesome. I want to do that. I want to get people who don't see themselves outside so that they can start pursuing health and wellness. Because for the longest time I didn't because of the body I was in. And, you know, it became this thing where like, I was like, I don't want to go hiking because I, you know, I don't feel comfortable in the clothes or in Colorado, people might not look like me that are hiking. And then, you know, I saw a couple of people, you know, this community where it was just kind of like, no, let's just put ourselves out there. And I started feeling better in my head. You know, I, I was getting mental health treatment at that point, you know, to address a 20 year eating disorder. I hadn't addressed, but there was these combinations of other things that were happening, such as finding community, finding social inclusion, getting outside that was really helping me heal. And then, you know, that's when I was decided, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to go do this professionally somewhere. And that led to come alive outside. Or when I, as you, as you talk, I can just imagine how that must feel for anyone to think they want to go do something, uh, but they believe they shouldn't or can't based on in this discussion, body image, but it could be, you know, other things and how important therefore an organization is to help someone uh, see that, that it is more than okay. It's necessary. And it's a part of life. You are almost lucky because you had leadership to help, uh, help you, I think internally figure out, I need to move forward. And then later I'll see what the problem is. I, I just, I appreciate you sharing that story and can only imagine it's incredibly difficult. I understand from my notes here that you um, like to swim a lot. And in particular, you like swimming in lakes. Do you just hike out to pursue lakes to swim? I don't discriminate against any lakes. Um, yesterday, I swam across Elfin Lake for the first time this summer. So that was fun. That's the little lake where I, in the town I live. But uh, really, it I mean, as where? long as it's, huh? Which is where? Where is that? Oh, it's lake? in Wallingford, Vermont. Wallingford. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But Spring Lake is one of my favorite lakes, Emerald Lake. But if anyone has any recommendations on lakes, if I find a lake and you're allowed to swim in it and it's not too cold, I'll swim in it. It's my, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I'll have to get out with you because I often trail run around lakes and think to myself, that would be so much fun, but I never pursue it. Um, and maybe I should start Stratton Pond being, uh, you know, not a pond, almost a lake that I constantly think I want to go across. Have you have you swum in in Stratton Pond? No, I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> but yeah, it's excellent. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. My dogs swim in it all the time. Uh, but there's so many around Vermont that uh, you should like keep. Maybe you do this. You have a map where you've. Uh, where you've tallied all the different lakes you've, you've come across and got no, but that is a really good idea. Maybe that will be this summer's adventure. It will be all the lakes I can swim in Vermont. 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. You could start a start another club or organization. So tell us, you, you talked about how you became aware of Come Alive Outside, which basically was you were looking for uh, an organization like this. Talk to us a little bit more about the mission. I know you gave a little brief introduction there. And then the organization itself, just tell us everything you uh, would like for the audience to know about it inside, in terms of staffing size. And you've already mentioned locations, but other things. Yeah, so our official mission is we inspire collaborative community systems that create the awareness, intention, and opportunity for people to live healthier lives outside. And I think why that is so important is that that part about community systems, everything that Come Alive Outside does is through collaboration. And I think that's what makes our program so special and so fun. And they're always evolving because of that. So we don't go into a community and say, hey, we're here, we're going to put on all the program, we're going to teach you how to connect to outdoors. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into a community and connect with the healthcare systems and public health and recreation and value aligned businesses and nonprofits and connect folks to the opportunities that already exist in that community. And then if there are gaps, we might throw in some events and some, some things to add to that. Because we do live in an area where... We you know, even in in the most urban areas or rural areas in Vermont, there are green spaces and things to do. It just might not be that people know how to connect with them or see themselves connecting with them. So that's what we're trying to do is incentivize those the joy of getting outdoors, which leads to health and wellness. So we have a bunch of programs that we do. We have our passport program which these are hyper-local programs that have around 35 different activities in them that range from going to farmer's markets to different parks to doing nature-related activities at home and community events. For every activity, you get points. Those points equal prizes. And we have these for kids and adults. And we actually have one that's launching in Bennington this summer, um, which is pretty exciting. Oh, great. Uh, Yeah. We also have our mile a day program, which is just like it sounds. We're trying to help people um, get inspired to make a movement for um, up to a mile a day or more, depending on what people's goals are, Um, just part of their daily uh, lifestyle. So we have 100 miles, 100 days starting next week. We have a Nature RX program, which is really cool. And that's where Providers actually refer people to us who could benefit from more time outside. And we do one-to-one health coaching for them in cohorts of 12 weeks. And we actually do pre and post biometric uh, data with those folks so that we can um, have some more, I guess, you know, clinical data to go with the effectiveness of that program. Uh, We have a staff of three. Uh, three full-time folks, and we have a ton of volunteers and partners. And that's why we're able to do as much as we do is because of that collective impact of all of our champions and the support around us. Um, and like I said, we we reach 50 states. We're very Vermont strong, um, but we are starting to duplicate our programs in, in different areas, which is really exciting. So if someone uh, wants to become involved, uh, first off, as a participant, uh, on their own, and they're listening to us right now, is the best way to go to your website? Yep, go to our website. We keep it up to date. And then I'd also recommend following us on Facebook and Instagram. We like to share a lot of um, articles and just uh, 
you know, a lot of it's fun outdoor stuff. A lot of it is just like, Hey, here's the science behind why getting outdoors is such a great thing. Uh, so I'd recommend looking at both, but if people want to just connect to programs, the website is the best place to go. And then, um, as far as if someone wanted to volunteer, uh, as a staff member for lack of a better term there, same thing, should they go to the website or get, get a hold of you? Yeah, I would say if someone wants to volunteer, just have them email me directly, which would be arwin at comealiveoutside.com. And uh, we will always find a place for people. We also have an ambassador program, which is really cool. You get to, uh, we give you some sweet Come Alive Outside swag and your job is to go out there and do our programs and get other people to do the programs. It's one of the most fun volunteer roles I think you can have. So what is the funding uh, for the organization? I understand it's not for profit. Is it almost all driven by uh, volunteer time and donations? Yeah. So um, we get funding from Department of Health, from our RMC, from Bowles Health Trust, Killington Ski Resorts, Community Health, uh, Heritage Family, uh, All Trails, Niantic, Nature Safe, and a bunch of individual donors. And I'm sorry if I forgot anyone, but it's a it's a combination <laughs> of of uh, individual donations, grants, and corporate sponsorships. That's great. And so you mentioned earlier about there's a program starting in Bennington. Just tell this audience a little bit more about that, real quick. Yeah. So um, Kayla Becker. Um, actually created a outdoor passport for kiddos and their families. And it will start July 5th and it goes through September 2nd. And folks can pick up the outdoor passport at the Bennington Rec in Berkshire YMCA. You can also download a copy of it on our website. Great. We will, and we will put that in the show notes as well. So Arlen, when you're working with individuals, what do you see as the as um, some of the more common barriers for folks who um, who maybe have an interest or maybe just aren't aware of getting outdoors? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with people not seeing themselves represented outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as an organization, you know, we we really are trying to lean more into access and equity for the folks who aren't seeing themselves um, outside. You know, the people who face the highest health inequities are also the people who are most underserved in the outdoors. And so when we're talking about those populations, we're talking about um, lower income, BIPOC, people with disabilities, um, LGBTQIA+, larger body folk, people with chronic health and mental um, health challenges. And so, you know, for, for us, what we're really trying to do is work with partners to address what those barriers are, what those gaps are, and then see what solutions we can make within our programs. And if those don't fit within our programs, what can we do on a more localized level to, to help um, those folks feel included and invited outdoors? Um, and so, you know, it, it, that's a pretty big thing to do. And I, I think that come alive outside, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of learning and unlearning to do, but we're doing it bit by bit. And I think it's just really important that we're, we're constantly listening to the, you know, the, the organizations and people who represent the, these populations who are facing the barriers and that we're not making those decisions for them. Um, so an example of this would be, 
Um, we recently partnered with AARP and SVCOA with a winter wellness passport that was specifically designed for older Vermonters. And so, mm. you know, I feel sometimes like I'm an older Vermonter, but I'm in my 40s. So, you know, it wouldn't be like a... <laughs> Uh, a natural thing for me to create the content for that, right? Because I might not understand the needs, desires, barriers, wants of that program. So what we actually did was we had folks who are, um, who identify as older Vermonters um, offer up activities that would be good for that passport, as well as professionals who work um, with those populations. And so one of the things that was the most common barrier that came up was the fear of um, not just the fear, but the danger of falling on ice in, in the winter. And so we, with this passport specifically, we created a low adventure, medium adventure and high adventure criteria on it. And the low adventure ones would have the lowest risk for falling. Um, So that was just a way that we could adapt our programs based on the barriers and and needs of that population to make them feel more included and welcome in the activity. And so that's something that we're we're trying to do more of with all of our programs um, to ensure that we are making sure that the folks who could benefit from it and might feel the most um, not included in that activity can, can see themselves and participate. I just have to say, I applaud those efforts tremendously. It's so important uh, as someone in healthcare, but even, you know, folks that are in education, community service, uh, diversity is, is key um, to getting people really into a state of, of happiness and joy in the outdoors and recognizing there are barriers that may not be a barrier to one individual or group, but is definitely a barrier to another, it, all the way down to just awareness of what is available outside. And then conversely, or maybe synergistically, having diversity uh, of a population that is willing to move forward with political action for land protection uh, so that we can enjoy these activities and so that our children and their children can enjoy it is, is uh, not a cliche. It is something that is inherent to, I, I think, you know, really our responsibility to the community and, and to the planet itself. So as we close out here, tell us a good success story uh, that, that you've come across. Yeah, one of my favorite stories is the story of um, our Come Alive Outside super champions, Mike and Karen. So Mike and Karen moved here from Massachusetts, I think around four years ago. And uh, when they moved here, both of them had um, some some pretty serious health health issues that were happening in their lives. And they they weren't really getting outside. They weren't very mobile. At the time, Karen was um, using a wheelchair for most of her movement. And they entered in through our, uh, what was called then our ParkRx program, which is our NatureX program now. And um, after that program, they liked it so much that they started doing our mile a day program. And they have done pretty much every program that we've had now. And Karen has gone from, you know, using a wheelchair for most of her movement to she led one of our last uh, Nature yeah. RX hikes. Um, and I think that that is just such a beautiful story. And they are just such they love the outdoors so much. They're so adventurous. She texts me pictures every single day of her outdoor adventures and they're out there every single day. So I just think that they're really what this organization's all about. And you know, it's, uh, it's the reason we're here and, and why we do what we do. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's just great to see that happen. 
That, that is a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for being on our show today, Arwen. It's been, a, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'd love to, let's go for a hike and a swim. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll also thank Mike Cutler from Cat TV, Ray Smith from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare, Ashley Jowett from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare. I'm Trey Dobson. Go out and find joy in everything you do, even in the face of adversity. And we will see you again next week.